Welcome to the Arrow Buddhism podcast series. The following podcast is an excerpt from a teaching given by Nakchung Rinpoche in San Francisco in 1997. For more information on the Arrow Buddhist tradition, please go to our website at arrowbuddhism.org. We have some assorted titles for this weekend. One is uh, Bodhicitta and the Nine Yanas, and the other is, uh, I think, the inseparability of compassion and the three yanas. So this evening, an introduction to a weekend where I will go through specifics of the yanas and uh, the question of compassion, the question of bodhicitta, what that is, how that manifests, how we can practice that. But the rest is really up to you and what you ask me. I'll start by you know, giving some introduction to um, who we are. Uh, Tibetan Buddhism is... Um, <clears throat> an incredibly uh, multifaceted area to look at. And the Nyingma is the oldest school of Tibetan Buddhism. It's not really a school as such. It's a school by virtue of the fact that there are other schools that came later. Nyingma just means what arrived in Tibet first. And then it became called a school, it became called Nyingma, or the old translation school, because there were new translation schools. The whole idea of school, really, is um, uh, much more like family style. There is no great difference between the schools. They all have their own styles. What's important is how one can actually apply this in one's life. But within the Nyingma school, there are two strands of practice. One is called uh, Gendun Marpo, the red Sangha, <coughs> and one called Gendun Karpo, the white Sangha. And we are members of what's called the white Sangha. Over the course of the weekend, I'm going to talk about words a little bit and what words mean. Um, something very important here for people, you know, understand is that Buddhism is 99% method. And we come from a culture that looks at religion as being truth. And that is a, a very strange area for some people and causes people a lot of problems with Buddhism. Because coming from a Judeo-Christian background, where we want to look at religion as truth, when we look at Buddhism in that way, we necessarily become sectarian in some way. There's got to be right and wrong with truth. You know, there can't be different truths. Otherwise, you have to redefine what is meant by truth. That's a definition of yana. How we redefine truth. Mm -hmm. So if there are different truths then, we have to say, well, what does that mean? Who are they true for? As soon as you get to that point, then you're discussing yana and what that means. So that's a really important thing. Buddhism is method. Mm -hmm. It's a way of realizing truth. The expression is not necessarily truth in itself. 
That is something very important, you know. It's not the word as written that is truth. Everything within Dharma is something that is a signpost to that, something that helps you to find that. But the Dharma can never be expressed. You find this in the sutras. This isn't something highly esoteric that I'm talking about. If you look at the sutras, you'll, you'll find this. You know, Shakyamuni Buddha said, you know, I never taught a Dharma. The Dharma is non-existent. Now, um, apart from looking at that as some highly profound statement that one can't understand, uh, one can really look at this as an expression of method. But however Dharma is expressed, it is simply a method by which one can realize Dharma. Because it's only recently that we have dictionaries. So, because words you change in meaning, yet Dharma always has to be re-expressed. <clears throat> there is no fixed Dharma in terms of what is expressed. There can't be a fixed Dharma in that sense. That is why, you know, if you, um, there's always a problem in courts of law, you know, if a Buddhist has to swear on something, I mean, the extent of what you'd have to swear on would take up the entire courtroom because um, there is so much Dharma and it gets bigger all the time. You know, there is no book. You can say, oh, this is it. It's all contained here. Or you simply could. You could simply have the letter R and say, I swear on this letter R. <laughs> it could be the same thing. But uh, Dharma increases to ex expand all the time. Because wherever there is misunderstanding, there is more Dharma. That is the whole idea. That, you know, you, Dharma continues to be re-expressed all the time in the language that people understand in terms of how they can integrate that into their experience. So this is also a question of jnana because expression, how a teaching is given, is based on understanding. So how a person understands what their vocabulary is what these words mean in terms of their connotations and implications, their color and texture, is all part of how one works with a person. So this is also connected with jhana. The ngakpang sangha is one word. Ngakpang um, is a, a, a Tibetan word that means ngak means mantra, pang means hurling, or throwing. So the Sanskrit is mantrin, or mantrini is the female. Another word for this lineage, or this uh, lineage of ordination, is called gurkha changlo de, 
Gurkha is white skirt, Changlo is long hair. So, you know, this is a very different ordination uh, in, in outer appearance to the monastic ordination because we don't have shaven heads, we're non-celibate. We wear the same shape of robe, but it's different colors. We have this white skirt. The whole idea here within this Sangha that is very important and connected with the Yanas uh, is that from the point of view of Sutra, the hair is shaven off because in uh, Hindu culture, hair is a mark of defilement. It's something put out by the body and so as a symbol of cutting off defilement, the hair is shaven off. In Tantra, because Tantra is the path of transformation, the hair is left uncut so that the uh, defilements are worn as an ornament. And this is a very important principle of Tantra, the idea that uh, however we are, whatever style of neurosis we have is intimately connected with our enlightened state. Because it is our enlightened state. If I'm an angry person, if I'm a sad person, a greedy person, whatever kind of neurosis I have is simply the distortion of the realized state. It's not something other than the realized state. You know, it's not, uh, it doesn't fall into the category of evil. You know, that which is opposed to that which is good. A totally different, disconnected. Mm -hmm. Here we're talking about the fact that however we are, we are connected with the realized state. Whatever the degree of distortion, the energy there in its pure form is always the realized state. So the Ngapang Sangha then is, is based in the Tantras and it holds to the Tantric vows. It doesn't hold to the Sutric vows in terms of how one um, regulates one's life. These are things that I'll explain a lot more over the weekend. Um, and I think especially when we look at the whole question of bodhicitta or of compassion or active compassion, that one has to look at the question of motivation. Why am I doing this? In terms of the nine yanas, um, I think the first yana is very interesting. Um, as this uh, weekend is alternatively called the nine yanas and the three yanas, I'll do a synthesis of that and I'll talk a little bit about the first three of the nine and then I'll talk about the other three. I think that might be kind of useful as a way of interpreting this. Um, the first is called Shravakayana. Now, um, Shravakayana doesn't really exist as a path. <clears throat> you can't find uh, you know, Shravakayanists anywhere. They don't exist as such as a school, but um, here as a yana, uh, it's a very interesting approach because shravaka means hearer or listener. This is someone who listens to the teaching. 
and then they go away and say, yeah, that was very good and interesting. That's Shravakayana, that's what it means. <laughs> Shravakayana doesn't mean doing anything, but um, one has a spiritual interest and one goes to listen. Um, maybe for the last thousand years, in Shravakayana has not had any particular application, but here in the wonderful world of weekend workshops, Shravakayana is what a lot of people are doing. And I think it's good to understand that and to validate that. I mean, one could certainly be humorous about it, but it's really valid. I mean, how does one begin a spiritual path unless one has some kind of curiosity and interest? You know, Shravakayana is there. I, I'm interested, I'm listening. Um, I don't want to do it yet, but I'm intrigued. That's what it means. So to practice at that level means that one reads, one studies, one attends talks, workshops, and one continues doing that until it becomes too frustrating. So there's a natural follow-through. So in terms of compassion here, one has compassion for oneself and one's own situation. In terms of honesty, in terms of owning up to what I actually want. If what I actually want is, I love to hear this stuff. You know? I don't want to do anything. I don't want to lock myself up in a cave. I don't want to sit too long. Um, I don't want to give up watching Arnie Schwarzenegger. I, I want to. <laughs> but I, I love to come to talks and to listen and like to think about it and talk with my friends about it. This is Shravaka Yana, the first Yana. Now, this is a really valuable place to start because one is tickled in some way by something. One is wanting to know something about something. Mm -hmm. If you keep doing it like this, uh, from a certain point of view, one could say, oh dear, precious human rebirth, you should really be doing this more seriously. You should not be wasting your time in this way. You should take it seriously. But. Um, this is actually problematic if, if the Shravaka model is where I am. If I, you know, if I have to cope with the pressure of I'm not serious enough, I should be practicing. I want people to like me and to respect me. I want to be part of the gang. Well, this isn't Dharma anyway. This is simply neurosis. So it's very important to be able to accept oneself as one actually is. This is my interest. It extends thus far at the moment. But everything changes. I can pursue this. And it's far better that I get frustrated <coughs> with this m myself than if someone seeks to frustrate me with myself. 
so that I say, you know, attending all these talks is great, but I have no experience, and somehow this is getting stale for me to keep hearing and reading, and my library gets bigger and bigger, and the talks I attend gets longer and longer, and I'm now quite expert in talking about this, but it all becomes quite hollow because I really don't know this. At this point, I need to do something about it. I need to say, well, I'd really like to find out now because it irritates me. Mm -hmm. This irritation is called bodhicitta. <laughs> this is really important. You see, uh, why I would use the word bodhicitta or chanchupsen, uh, these words are much larger than the um, word compassion. Yeah, compassion, in a way, means feeling for others. <coughs> but what is meant by bodhicitta or chankshubsen is really quite vast and is quite distinct in each yana, how that manifests, what that is. And over the course of the weekend, we'll look at what that means in terms of its application you know, to us in terms of the energy we experience in being alive. You know? What that is as a communication. Because almost every technical term you find within Buddhism is huge. It's simply a symbol that spreads out in its meaning. And I'm not saying that because I like Buddhism. You know, this is not some kind of a glorification of the system. This is because, um, this is really how this works, because it's not the words. If you have one word, you have a whole variety of words. English is great for this, you know. English is, you know, described, um, uh, I've lost the word. <laughs> study of languages, what's it called? Philology. Philology, yeah. As a bastard language, you know, because it's got so many inputs, Latin, French, German, Scandinavian, Hindi, you know, pajamas, bungalow, I mean, these aren't English words, these are all Indian, it's a Hindi words. They're all English words now, or American words, we understand these words, what they mean. But it's a huge language, so it's, it's quite interesting that when you take one word and look at how it spreads and how many other words you could possibly use instead of this one word. Um, almost whatever I talk about is always emptiness and form. And Buddhism is the exploration of emptiness and form. This is really the heart of it. This is the expression of the Heart Sutra. Form is emptiness, emptiness is form. And in that language, form is compassion. So one of the things we're going to look at is how form manifests as compassion in many, many different ways. And what is the quality of form? What is the quality of emptiness? You know? How do we split the dictionary in half and call one half form, one half emptiness? That is our language. 
comprehension and incomprehension, security and insecurity. All these pairs of words, these emptiness and form words. So compassion is a form word. And the chief characteristic of, of form is impermanence. Form is impermanent. Impermanence, change. This is why we talk about Dharma as being form. Dharma is form, Dharma is compassion. Compassion is impermanence, i.e. changeable. It is modified. It is never the same thing because circumstances are infinite. This is why compassion is form. It's not fixed. So within the yanas, uh, compassion, bodhicitta, chanchupsem, manifest in many, many different ways according to practice, according to orientation. So this is something that's really crucial to understand. So compassion uh, is a word that's used when we link it with practice at the level of sutra. You know, kindness towards others, putting others first. I mean, this is a kind of practice that's you know, understood everywhere in many different religions. It's just that in Buddhism, uh, there is a very careful analysis of this in terms of how that manifests, what that is. In terms of being a practice of non-duality. You know, here we have you know, compassion as the exploration of self and other in terms of duality and non-duality, when I split self and other, or when self and other are indistinguishable. You know, you know, that is the approach through sutra. Then the approach through tantra is different. And in each yana it's different. I'm not going to say too much about that this evening, because that's the, the main body of what we'll speak of tomorrow and the next day.